Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to see so many of you here in the room today. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to pull that out and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be in the Word today. And as you're turning there, my name is Nate Reed, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as location pastor here at the Tyson's location um, And I've had the opportunity to lead at this location for about three years. I've been on staff for 13. I started as an intern back in 2008, and the Lord has taken me on quite a journey through then. Um, But you don't have to clap for that, (laughs) but I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Um, uh, It's it's been an interesting journey in many ways, but I have the privilege and honor right now of leading our staff and uh, volunteer leader teams here at this location. I'm just thrilled to be able to do it. I... uh, in my, uh, in my time being at McLean Bible, I met my wife, Rachel, who was also working on staff nine years ago. We've been married for seven, and now we have to, uh, two little kids, Raylan, who's three and a half, and Andrew, who's a year and a half old, and we just love being a part of this church family, particularly as we enter into a season of regathering and rebuilding, just as Arlen just prayed. You know, uh, most every significant crisis, big or small, is often followed by a season of rebuilding. Like I think back when Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, Thomas has talked about this quite a bit because he was there and experienced it. It took years to restore the damage that was done by that storm. I remember when that happened, I was actually a student at Penn State when it happened in 2005. And since I had spent many of my summer months working construction jobs, I jumped at the opportunity to travel down to the Gulf Coast to help with relief efforts. So myself and I got to lead a bunch of different teams of students that went down there and we spent a few weeks gutting houses, rebuilding homes while sharing the gospel and caring for those who had been impacted by the hurricane. And in a similar way, as we near the tail end of a global pandemic, our country and much of our world will likely have an extended period of rebuilding. And we, as a church family here at McLean Bible Church, will also need to walk through a season of rebuilding. As a result of being scattered over the past 14 months and now finally having more and more opportunities to meet together, which I hope you're excited about, like there is much that needs to be rebuilt and reestablished so that we can care well for every member of our church family and to continue reaching the lost in our city and the lost around the world. So in light of this significant transition, there are really two major tasks that I want to accomplish through our time today. First, I want to look to God's word here in Ephesians chapter 4 to see a picture of how God has designed and empowered his church to build itself up. And that's not just meant for a time following a crisis. This is meant for all time. And after that, I'm going to share with you some specifics about how we here at Tyson's are going to be rebuilding and regathering in the summer months. And then at the end of our time together today, I'm going to give an invitation to every single person listening in today, whether you're here in the room or catching up on this message later this week via the podcast. Like, if you consider McLean Bible Church to be your church home, and specifically this Tyson's location, I'm going to call you to consider the role that the Lord has equipped you to play when it comes to rebuilding and regathering. Now, if you're here today and you're just visiting us or if you're exploring Christianity, today's message is going to involve a little bit of what we often call family talk. We're going to dig into some of the nuts and bolts that are specific to our church family here. But even though that's the case, 
I want to ask you to stick with me throughout our time today because as a result of our our time in the Word, you're not only going to get to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm going to have a specific invitation for you at the end of our time as well. So, And as you hear how we're aiming to rebuild in the days ahead, know that we would be absolutely thrilled to have you rejoin or join us in those efforts. So I'm going to read the passage for us in just a moment, but before we go any further, let me just take a moment to ask the Lord to bless our time in his word. Would you bow and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful that you've given us your word that teaches us more and more about you and shows us how you have set up your church to thrive and mature. And I pray as a result of this time, first and foremost, that you would stir all of our hearts and affections for you. And God, that you would challenge us in ways that you need to us to be challenged so that we can grow to become more like you and also live out the God-ordained ways that you have equipped and empowered every single one of us to serve in your church family. So encourage us along those lines and we entrust this time to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's children said together, amen. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version starting in verse 7 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, and then we'll also have the verses on the screen if you don't have a copy to look on with. This is God's inspired and inerrant word. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. Now, I know this is a longer passage, and we aren't going to have the time today to pick apart all the details in these verses, but what I want you to see from these verses is a progression for how Christ has provided for and designed the church to thrive and mature. Now, I mentioned earlier that I used to be in construction, and specifically, I was a framer. If you don't know what a framer is, framers are the guys who come in uh, after the concrete foundation of the home has been laid, and they build the wooden frame, literally frame, that supports all the other systems that are built into the house. Like think your electrical, your plumbing, your HVAC. I'd say networking if you're fancy and trying to make a smart home. And then after that, it's followed by all the finishing, like drywall and flooring and all of the decorative trim. That's all all the systems kind of built into that frame of the house. In a similar way, Paul in this passage is describing the foundation of the church, and then he also dives into a progression for how the church is built up and sustained. In fact, literally that phrase, built up, comes right out of verse 12. 
So today, I want to show you right here from Ephesians chapter 4, the foundation and then three supporting structures. Like think the electrical, HVAC, and plumbing systems of an actual home. Three supporting structures that God uses to build up and mature his church to help it become all that it is intended to do and be. So if you're taking notes, here's the foundation. You might want to write this down. Uh, The foundational point, Jesus has accomplished salvation for the church. Jesus has accomplished salvation for the church. This is our foundation. And this is what Paul is describing here in verses 8 to 10, which probably sounded a little confusing to you at sense when he says, ascending and descending, descending, ascending. Like, Paul, what are you talking about in this section? Well, he explains it in these verses. In verse 8, Paul is actually adapting a passage from the Old Testament to make his point. It comes from Psalm 68, 18, which was actually in our Bible reading plan this past week. And he takes this verse and he repurposes it in light of the work that Christ has accomplished. It's not a direct quote of Psalm 68, 18, because when you actually go look it up, the, that passage in the Old Testament actually uses some different words. Paul's not trying to alter scripture here in, in quoting it this way. Instead, he's actually showing the wonderful way that Christ has fulfilled what this passage and the entire Old Testament, for that matter, was pointing ahead to. So again, if you're exploring Christianity and you're here today, I want you to listen closer here because what Paul is saying in these verses is the core of what we as followers of Jesus believe. It's the reality that God is the perfect supreme creator all things. He created the entire world and the pinnacle of that creation was making man and woman in his image with the purpose of displaying his goodness and his glory to all of creation. But we decided that our way was better than God's and instead chased after our own desires instead of following God's good design. And this is ultimately rebellion against the supreme authority of the universe and the Bible calls that rebellion sin. And not only did the very first man and woman rebel against God, but every single one of us has done this as well. None of us are exempt. We've all said to God in different ways that we want to be God instead of him and that we prefer to do things our own way. And the Bible says that the penalty for that rebellion is physical death and eternal separation from God in hell. And to make the news even worse, there is nothing that any of us can do to reconcile that. You say, well, what's the good news? Well, here's where we get to see the love and grace of God on full display because when there was nothing we could do to save ourselves, God took care of this for us. He sent himself to the world through the person of Jesus. He became became man and lived on this earth. This is what this passage is talking about when Paul says he, meaning Jesus, had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. It's saying that he literally descended from heaven, came down to earth, and lived a perfect life. And even though he had no sin to die for, he chose to take the penalty that we deserve by dying on a cross for our sin. And then get this, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He literally ascended from the grave in victory over sin and death and declared that anyone, anywhere, no matter who they are or what they have done, could be forgiven of all of their sin if they would simply just trust in his sacrifice on their behalf. So if you're listening right now and you've never trusted in Christ's free gift of salvation for the penalty of your sin, like you can do that today. It's available to you right now. And I want to urge you, do not wait to press into this because there is coming a time when it will be too late. And the Bible is clear that if you die in your sin without receiving Christ's forgiveness, you will spend the rest of eternity apart from him in hell. 
Like, do this today. This is the primary purpose that this church exists, to make this good news known. It is our foundation that Jesus has accomplished salvation for the entire world and that those who accept his free gift then become part of the church, which I'll mention really quick. Even though I'm kind of using some building and construction imagery today, when we talk about the church, please know that we're not talking about a literal building, like the building that we're standing in today. When the Bible talks about the church, it's not talking about a building, but it's talking about a group of people, people who have received Christ's gift of salvation. Now, when Paul says that he ascended, it's not just that he ascended from the grave, but even more, a few weeks later, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to empower his followers. So this is going to be our first supporting structure, if you're taking notes. Supporting structure number one, Jesus gifts believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gifts believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is known as spiritual gifts, which I'm not going to take much time to explain today, mainly because David is actually going to walk us through this a little bit later this summer when we get to 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. So uh, those chapters are all about spiritual gifts, so we're going to dive in deeply at that point. But let me give you just a quick preview. Jesus had promised his disciples that after he rose from the dead, he would ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside every believer of Christ. And that Holy Spirit would serve as a helper in so many different ways. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit would serve as a helper to believers is that he would, be, he would give them a supernatural ability to build up and minister to the others in the church. In fact, if you were to flip over to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, I'll throw up on the screen, Paul says it in a different letter this way, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We also saw this at the beginning of our passage in Ephesians where he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And as you read through the New Testament, Paul gives different lists of some of these kinds of gifts, and they're all a little bit different, but they're gifts like serving or teaching or exhortation or mercy or discernment. There's so much we could say here, and again, we will later this summer, but here's what I want you to take away from this. As a follower of Christ, you have been empowered by the Spirit of God with at least one, if not more, spiritual gifts. And in addition to redeeming you from the sin debt that you could not pay, Christ has filled you through the power of his Spirit with a supernatural ability to edify and build up the church. That's what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 12 when he said, for the common good, for the sake of others, which then begs me to ask a question this morning. Do you know what your spiritual gifting is? Do you know how you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve the church? Now, please hear me. I'm not asking whether or not you took one of those spiritual gift assessments at one point, which those can be helpful at some time, but if we're completely honest, you can read through that and be like, do you like to teach or lead? Yes, I do. That must be my gifting. Like, we can manipulate those in some ways. Like, that's not what I'm asking you. But if you are trying to discern what your spiritual gifting might be, I want to give you a couple ways that you might be able to discern that in the context of community. First, I would encourage you to ask the five believers in your life that know you the best this question. Where do you see the most spiritual fruit in my life? Where do you see the most spiritual fruit in my life? And by spiritual fruit, I mean the ways that they're observing others being edified, encouraged, spurred on, or ministered to in ways that deepens their walk with the Lord. And their answer to that question might likely give you a clue to what your spiritual gifting might be. 
If you don't, if you're sitting here kind of panicking, like, I don't know what my gifts are, like, hey, don't, don't worry about it, it's okay. This next, next step is actually gonna be really helpful along these lines. A second way I would encourage you to discern your gifting is simply just by starting to serve somewhere. You don't have to have it figured out perfectly. In fact, I would say the journey of discovering what your spiritual gifting is is incredibly fun, and it's a wonderful journey. And the best place to start that discovery place is simply by trying something out. Like, just pick a place in the church, any place, it can be an area that you already have some familiarity or um, you, that you really enjoy or maybe an area you never even thought you would enjoy. It's, it's okay. If you find out it's not the right place, like we as leaders in the church will help you find that right place and your serving will not be for naught. So that's, that's specifically one of our roles here is to help you in that journey. This, this reminds me of a story of one of the members of my small group. I won't tell you what her name is, but she resisted serving for years because she didn't like being around people. But one day, she was convicted by the word that she needed to be serving someplace in the church. So she tried out a few places behind the scenes, but didn't really ever feel like she was in the right spot. Uh, but then after a few of her friends pointed out that they had noticed the Lord's grace in her life, particularly when it came to listening to others and extending mercy to those who are hurting or suffering, she decided to start serving with one of our caring ministries. She got trained, and after she had her first opportunity to walk alongside someone walking through an extended crisis, she knew that she was in the right place. Now she's been serving with this ministry. It's called Stephen's Ministry for over five years. And she said this to me earlier this week. Through the years of serving, I have found that I was wrong about several beliefs I had about myself. But more importantly, I have learned how good it feels to be obedient because ultimately his will for me is always in my best interest. So supporting structure number one, Jesus gifts believers through the power of the spirit, which then leads us to our second supporting structure. Supporting structure number two, Jesus gifts leaders to equip the saints. Jesus gifts leaders to equip the saints. Now, in talking about spiritual gifting here in Ephesians 4, or 4, Paul actually expands spiritual gifting beyond specific gifts to include specific people or leaders in the church. Verse 11 and 12 in our passage says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up, there's that phrase, of the body. Now, we're gonna have to wait for another day to dig into what he meant by each of those specific roles, but by God's design, he gifts the church with specific leaders whose job it is to minister the word to the members of the church so that those members then can minister to each other and then minister to the world. Like This is one of the primary responsibilities that we as leaders in the church are charged to do, and you'll see this happening in near all of our ministries when you start to serve with them. In addition to this, we've spent a lot of time over the summer, uh, through our, not the summer, throughout the pandemic, working to expand our training in many ways, specifically in kids' area and students and how we raise up and equip our group leaders, which we're excited to dive into that in the months ahead. So Jesus gifts leaders in the church to equip the saints, which then leads to our final supporting structure. Supporting structure number three, if you're taking notes, equipped saints then minister to the church through their gifting. So do you see this progression in our passage? The Holy Spirit gifts the saints, leaders equip the saints, and then saints are unleashed to minister in the church. And I use the word minister here because it's not a person. It literally means to give aid or serve. 
And this is what God promises will happen when these supporting structures are in place in the church. This is, I would call this the result. And we see this in verses 13 to 16. I'm not going to read the passage again, but just look at verse 13 and see what we see here. It says, when these things are in place, we grow in the unity of the faith. We grow in our knowledge of the Son of God, like our intimacy with Jesus increases. We grow in maturity of faith in the likeness of Christ. We're only in verse 13. We got uh, uh, three more verses to go here. In verse 14, we're not shaken by the things we hear about in the world or deceived by the schemes of man. Verse 15, we're loved well by others in the church, even when that often means having the truth spoken to us in love. And finally, in verse 16, we see that the entire church grows when this happens. Like, when you're serving and using your gifting, like, you absolutely grow in your walk with the Lord, but it doesn't stop there. Others begin growing in their faith, too. And you get to experience the joy of seeing God work in and through us by caring for people, serving other people, leading other people, encouraging other people, discipling other people. And when that happens, we all grow together. Like, do you want to experience the joy of seeing the Lord work in and through you to help others? Because it's exactly that joy. And even further, when people are using their gifting to serve the church and serve the world, others will also then come to saving faith through hearing the gospel or seeing the gospel at work in the church. The watching world sees a church that's operating like this and they say, like, I want to be a part of that group of people who aren't tearing each other down or being distracted by all that's happening in the world. Instead, they're serving each other and building each other up in love and loving each other well. Like, I want to be a part of that. That's something the world looks like and says, why can't I have community like that? And this is why I, as a pastor, long to see every person in this congregation using their gifts, not just because there's needs in the church, which don't get me wrong, there are needs in the church, but because I know how the Lord will respond to your serving by deepening your love for him and filling you with joy as others experience his love through you. And here's the best part. The beauty of all this is that when it takes place, none of us can take the credit for it. None of us can get credit for this because we realize that the fruit we get to see when we're faithful to serve the Lord in this way is not from our own efforts. You certainly use it, but who does it come from? comes from God working in and through you. I direct your attention over to John 15, verse 5, which says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, say it together, nothing. And when it happens this way, he gets all of the glory. Like, don't you want to be a part of this exciting work? Like, don't you want to see God's supernatural power at work in and through you? This is the exciting work that God has equipped, empowered, and called all of us to do in this church. And I say all because no one is exempt. Just look at the language Paul uses in verses uh, 12 to 16, end of our passage. Again, I'm not going to read it all, but in verse 12 it says that these uh, these leaders are given for the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, it says, until we all attain into the unity of the faith. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Christ. And verse 16, over and over and over again, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church family, this isn't just a calling for some of the people in the church. This is a calling and a gifting for everyone in the church. 
If you are a follower of Jesus, then in the local church, you are both needed and necessary. I wanted to think of a, a fun way to illustrate this um, uh, for us this week. And so I, uh, I asked Chris Suarez, who is our uh, junior high youth pastor, to do a little challenge with some of our students on their Wednesday night uh, gathering this week. I gave him this little block of wood, just which comes from my wood pile, nothing special, with a nail on it. And I handed him about 18 or so other nails, and I said, Chris, I would like you to see if you can get any of those students to balance all 18 of those nails on the head of this nail. And if they do, I will buy them Chipotle for a week. Um, and so this week, uh, Chris took that challenge to some of our students, and they gave it a shot. No one was able to figure it out, but you'll at least get to see them struggling along those lines. So go ahead and take a look at this up on the screen. One. <laughs> really? It's not going to work that way. Yeah. Guaranteed. They all fall off. Can you get all of them? Oh. I will say there is a way you can actually get every single one of those nails on that one. I will show you the. I will show you in one second here. Yeah, I'll show you. Well, I'm sorry. No. Metaphorically, one second. Okay, now you're doing it. No chance that's working. You're doing two different ones now. Yeah. Combine your efforts. That'd be really hard, but... And then put the final one on top. Oh. And then put the final one on top and then lift it up. And if you can keep those two Come on. pinched together. Oh. No, epic tail. Huh. No way. And balance it on there. That's not possible. That has to be like perfectly balanced. Yeah, that's not happening. Oh. No. Wow. That somehow happened. Some of you are like, I'm going to Home Depot as soon as I get home today. <laughs> I've got to try this out. Uh, and I, I should say, this isn't going to be the perfect illustration because I, the, I got mine going up here. It's a little wobbly. If I bump this and it falls apart, like the church doesn't fall apart if someone's not there. So like, don't get that message today. But what I do want you to see is that when it, some of these pieces are taking out, taken out, not only is it noticeable, but it's also not set up to do exactly what it's meant to be. Like I actually, I can, I actually tried it at home. I'm going to do it now because it takes a while. Like I actually could take some of these nails out and it would still be standing, but there would be gaps would be obvious gaps in this structure. And I think the same thing actually plays out in the church, in the life of the church as well, because if members in the church are not using their gifts or serving, then there are gaps. And when there are gaps in the church family, people begin falling through the cracks. Many needs begin to go unaddressed, and I promise you there are many needs in the church. People are not being discipled, and based on what we see here in Ephesians chapter 4, sin even begins to take greater root in the body. And all of these things can have a detrimental impact on the church. So, as we enter into this season of rebuilding over the summer months, I want to ask you all this question. What is your role in the days ahead as we begin to rebuild after this significant pandemic? What is your role in the days ahead as we begin to rebuild after this significant season that we've all weathered together? Now, in saying that, I do want to recognize that many of you have been serving consistently throughout this season. And even before the pandemic, you've been serving for years in ministries. And we praise God for the ways that he has used your serving and gifting to minister to others in such meaningful ways. And I know that you've experienced the joy of the Lord in doing that. 
Like I think about so many different uh, uh, leaders and, 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 and members in our troops. I think about our, our group leaders who over these last 14 months have been doing everything they can to make sure that their groups stay together and connected, even if it's over Zoom. I think about the many of you who gave of your time to serve with our food distribution efforts to make sure families didn't go hungry and got to hear the gospel in our city, thousands of them. There's so many other uh, areas or ways that people have served that I could mention in this list, but I just want to encourage all of you with this verse. It's one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 6.10, which says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. Like through your faithfulness, not only has the Lord seen it and brought fruit from it, but he won't forget it. And I also, I want to give a special recognition to one of the uh, teams uh, within our church, and that's our worship and our tech team who have been here every single week throughout the 14 months of the pandemic in order that we could worship together and hear from the word online throughout this season. So could you join me in thanking them? Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been stellar over these last many months, so... For the next few minutes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to share with you some of the specific ways that we're going to continue to reopen and rebuild ministry opportunities in the months ahead here specifically as Tyson's. And as I walk through these areas, if you're not currently serving somewhere in the church, I want you to ask the Lord to show you throughout this time what area he might want you to join in and serve with, even if it might be an area that's different than you might have expected. So... I'm going to walk through just a few areas here. We're going to do it pretty quick, uh, but hopefully this is helpful for all of you. First of all, regarding our weekend worship gatherings, you're actually getting to experience some of the changes already that we've been able to make related to our worship gatherings, and I hope you're enjoying that today. So just so that we're all on the same page, from today moving forward, registration is no longer required to end a service, which means you will no longer have to check in to attend a service on the weekends. Masks will be optional throughout the rest of the building. Um, throughout the room, uh, and seating will be first come, first serve, but we are going to continue to reserve the lower section of the balcony where masks will be required and social distancing will be observed, and if we have to expand it, which I think, I know we had to do that actually during this service to make it a little bit bigger, we're going to continue to reserve that section for those who ever feel the need to or desire to take extra precaution, which we recognize that there are many valid and good reasons to do so. So however you choose to participate over the next coming months in our services, let's all aim, as it says in the book of Romans, to outdo one another in showing honor in order that we might preserve the unity that we have in Christ. So that's related to our, our worship gatherings. And some of you would have probably, already, hopefully already heard about that as we listed it out in our weekly e-news. We sent out a weekly e-news for this location, which if you don't already receive our Tyson's e-news, then you are out of the loop. Like, if you've not yet signed up for that newsletter, I'm going to invite you right now, pull out your phone. Yes, I'm asking you to pull out your phone in the middle of church. I'm not going to scold you for doing that. Pull out your phone and go to mclanebible.org slash enews and sign up for the Tyson's newsletter. And I want you to do that for this simple reason. This is the primary communication channel that we are using right now to get information out to our congregation. And this one for Tyson's is very specific for this location. It's sent out weekly with important information about how we're continuing to reopen certain things and certain ministry opportunities that are coming up. Like in that e-news, you're going to hear about how children's ministry will be opening up in the months ahead. You'll also get information about our upcoming congregational meeting in June, which is going to be incredibly important. So as we welcome more and more people back, this is going to be the 
tool that's going to help you stay on the same page. And specifically as it relates to our worship gatherings, there are opportunities to serve on Sunday mornings, which we have incredible needs with, with our usher team, with our greeter team, either serving out at the welcome desk or helping to restock the communion tables after each service. You could serve with our camera team, or if you've got musical gifts, wanting to serve with the worship team. Either way, there are so many ways that you uh, can plug in. And something that I have loved seeing over the last many months that we have been open is seeing families do that together. And it's a lot of fun. So those are some specific areas related to our weekend worship gathering. Thinking about our children's ministries, let me tell you a little bit about what's going to be happening with our access ministries. This is our ministry for children and adults with special needs. Our Beautiful Blessings group, which is for the younger ages and Friendship Club, which for students and adults is going to be starting up their Sunday morning in-person meetings uh, at different times in June. Our ADDP program, Adults with with Disabilities Day program, is going to start resuming their day programming uh, later in August. Throughout the month of July, Access is going to be offering one-day VBS sessions at each one, uh, one per week at each of our NBC locations uh, that you're going to want to be a part of if, um, if, you, if you would like. And these ministries in particular are looking for people who will show Christ's love to both older and younger kids with disabilities. Like, I want you to consider this. Could you give some time to play games with these kids or adults? Or maybe read them a Bible story or help them with an art project? It may sound like a really small thing, but it means the world to these individuals. And it'll bless you a ton in the process. So you'll hear more about these opportunities. And we're going to say this over and over and over again over the coming minutes here, but in the e-news. In fact, will you say that with me, please? Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to try that one more time. I need to, I need to hear it with a little bit more gumption. As excited as you've ever been for a church newsletter. It's going to be... There you go. All right, we're going to keep working on that as we go ahead here. When it comes to children's ministry with Kids Quest, we've actually been piloting some opportunities over the past month in preparation to, for what reopening might look like. So I'm so thrilled that starting in June, we will be getting a, a phased reopening of our kids program, which is going to start with our nursery and preschool areas in June. We're looking to be adding our elementary programming back in around July, which and then, until then and even into the future, I just want you to know, parents, like we love having children as a part of our worship gatherings every week. Like, it is so good to see the full family of faith singing and worshiping together. And I know many of you probably think having my kids in here isn't really going to do much, but I need to encourage you with one thing. Uh, so over the pandemic, my wife and I brought our three-year-old with us into the service as many, as many times as we could. Um, and we got home and realized one day that she had memorized the Great Commission. And now I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's a pastor's daughter. Of course she's going to memorize the Bible. Well, one, you haven't seen our parenting skills, and if you saw that, you would think otherwise. And two, while we have been working on some small verses with her, we've not touched on this one, but my daughter knows it. And the reason she knows it is because she's been in the room. And so there's so much fruit that can come from being a part of the worship gathering until some of these opportunities are open. So likewise with Awana, they'll be meeting in person this fall and registration will be opening starting in June. And if you want to find out more information about where all these children's ministries are going to be opened up, you can find it in... There you go. Uh, Now, I'll also mention regarding to our Kids Quest teams, prior to the pandemic, we actually had some open positions that we were looking to fill in for obvious reasons throughout that season. We held off on doing that, but we're now at the place where we're able to pursue hiring some of those roles. So if you or someone you know is incredibly gifted in this area and would want to serve in a staff position, we would love to have you consider applying. Now, before I go any further, I do want to pause for a moment and speak directly to our families with special needs or our families with young kids. 
Like, I know the last 14 months have been so difficult for so many, but I know they've been especially tough for you guys. It's been a struggle between navigating virtual or homeschool while many of you are trying to work, particularly those of you that are single parents. Like, it makes me think of the picture we saw in the Todd talk at the beginning of this service. Like, I know many of you feel like it's been an incredibly long time since you've actually even been able to sit and participate in worship. Like, I've heard that from many of you. I've seen it at home as I watched my wife wrestle with our two kids at home throughout this season, too. She's such a rock star. But I just want to tell you two things. One, the Lord has seen and will honor your faithfulness in serving your family throughout the season. You don't know the fruit that he's going to bring from it. And two, it's our prayer that as we open up our ministries more and more, that it will be a blessing to you as well which is why I want to encourage many, if not most of you, if you're not serving any place right now in the church, serving in these two ministry areas is absolutely critical. It's Kids Quest and Access. And I need to be honest with every single one of you within the sound of my voice. Our ability to open up our children's and access ministries more and more in the months ahead will be largely dependent on the number of people who are willing to come and serve in these areas. Practically speaking, we must maintain certain volunteer ratios in order to provide a safe environment for our children to grow and thrive. And when we don't have enough people to come and serve along those lines to meet those ratios, oftentimes we're forced to close classrooms and turn families away. This is one of the reasons why we're going to have to continue requiring registration for our kids' programming moving forward to make sure that we have the number of people in order to support that. But I don't think any of us want to see families turned away from our kids' programming. I would say that in a sense, this is one of the most important things that we can do as a church to pass the gospel on to the next generation. And the beauty is that every single one of us can play a part in doing that in different ways. Like, don't underestimate for a moment the value of serving children and pointing them to who God is. There are a few things we do as a church that are more important than this. So church family, I want to see us all working diligently to invest well in the next generation and to be a blessing to the families who have endured an especially challenging season that's not just affected parenting for them, it's affected their marriages as well. So even if it's not necessarily what you would first think to serve, I would ask you, maybe would you consider even serving for a season so we can rebuild especially well in these critical areas? If you're with me, can I hear you say, oh yeah? Yeah. Amen. All right, let's keep going through a couple of other other ministry areas and then we'll we'll, we'll wrap up here. When it comes to The Rock, we've actually been holding in-person midweek programming since March. And so if you have a student at home and they've not been a part of that, Wednesday nights, you're going to want to to be here in the building. Plus, we're thrilled that we're gonna be bringing back summer camp this summer for junior high and senior high uh, at the end of July. We've already done a lot of planning to to make sure we can do this in a way that's wise and safe and meaningful and fun. And I want you to know that early bird registration actually closes for that today. So you're gonna want to jump on it quickly. And if you want to get more info on summer camp, guess where you can find it? There you go. Regarding the many types of groups that we have here at Tyson's, that's for those of you that are involved in small groups or community groups, we want to start encouraging you to begin meeting together in person with your groups as possible. In fact, we're going to be sending out some new guidance for all of our groups in the days ahead. Group leaders, you actually should have received an email from me this weekend about two summer trainings that we're looking to hold over the course of the summer as we look ahead to the fall. But for those of you who are not currently in a group, we are soon going to have produced an updated ministry directory. It'll be a listing of all the different ways that over the summer you can connect in community and uh, dig into the word together. And I tell you what, this is where you can find that directory in the e-news. 
I need to, you got to get more excited about this as we go. We're getting there. We're getting there. And as we look ahead to the fall and desire to see more and more people getting connected to a group, we will be looking for more people that are saying, I actually feel like the Lord has gifted me to lead in those settings. So if you feel like the Lord is, or you've seen the Lord gift you in the ability to facilitate discussion around the word and what we're hearing on Sundays mornings, we'd love to talk to you about that. I also mentioned marriages a little bit earlier. There's been some significant things we've witnessed in this past season. We've seen the number of young couples that have delayed their marriages until families can get together start signing up now for our Preparing for Marriage ministry. So if you want to invest in an engaged couple that's about to get married and feel that's a strength of yours, we would love to have you join us in our Preparing for Marriage ministry. We've also seen the number of couples who've raised their hand and said, we're struggling right now. We're just in a really difficult season as a result of all that's happened over the last 14 months. We have a ministry called Reengage. So if you feel like you have something to offer to others that have walked through a difficult season in their marriage, I'd invite you to participate in that. You'll be able to hear later this week on how to join those ministries where? In the e-news. When it comes to young adults called Citywide, our young adult ministry is gonna be hosting a one worship night and a social opportunity every month throughout the summer. Before we restart weekly meetings in the fall, we're also planning a weekend-long conference in August that'll be here in the building. And the best place to learn about those opportunities for young adults will be... Actually, I don't know if the e-news will be the best place for young adults because when you think about it, young adults are probably gonna get their information from Instagram, which if you want, follow us at, uh, at We Are Citywide on Instagram. But yes, it'll also be in the e-news as well. Uh, almost done. Local outreach. As we scale back some of our distribution efforts, we're really looking to press into some of the targeted communities that we've seen the Lord bring about some amazing fruit and amazing relationships for ongoing outreach and disciple making. And so for Tyson's, there's four sites in particular. Hopefully one is close to where you live, one in Reston, Falls Church, Centerville, and Alexandria, where we're going to be leaning in more and expanding some efforts uh, to reach those communities that's going to be primarily led by our regional pastor team. So if you loved serving at those distribution sites throughout the last 14 months, and there's going to be ongoing opportunities for you to continue that work, hopefully in a way that we'll see some churches started. I know of a couple that, as a result of this last season, that have already are in the works of getting started, and we want to see that happen more and more. So if you want to serve in those opportunities, you can actually go talk to the regional pastors afterwards in the lobby, or you can find out about it where... In the e-news. I, ho- I hope you all are getting the, getting the pattern here as we're going through this. So all of these areas I've just mentioned, and there's more than what I've mentioned here, have significant ways that we need people to be willing to serve. So I want to tell you how you can join us in that. Thinking of the picture that we saw in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, where it said, joined and held together by every joint. I want to ask you again, what role is the Lord calling you to fill in this season? Let me ask that question maybe another way for you. What gap will exist if you are not using your gifts? I know many of you are, have been, and will continue to do that, and thank you for partnering with us in ministry that way. But for the rest of you who have not yet found that place, here's my invitation for you. We're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper in just a moment, and as we do that, I wanna ask you to take out your phone and text the word SERVE to 571-581-6297. Text the word SERVE to the number that you see on the screen. And when you do that, we're gonna send you a link that's gonna list out these broad category areas that I just walked to. You can also go to mclanebible.org slash serve and click on the Tyson's location. It'll get you to the same place. Now, texting in is not committing you to anything. So if you're hesitant about doing that right now, like that's, you're not committing to anything by doing that. But what I want you to do is open up that link 
look over that list, and as we take some time just to reflect in just a moment, I want you to prayerfully consider, Lord, where would you have me serve? That doesn't mean it has to be the final place where you end up, but at least starting in that journey to discerning what your spiritual gifting is so that you can join in in building up the body. If you don't know where to start, if you look at that list and like, oh, I don't know, what do I do? Then I would encourage you, any of our children's ministry, we're serving with our weekend host teams here to support the Sunday services. Both are great places to begin. But let's experience all of the joy that Christ has in store for us when we faithfully serve with the gifts that he has so graciously given to us. Now, for those of you in the room who have never trusted in Christ, this is the invitation that I have for you today. I don't want you necessarily to text in the serve number. I want to invite you to place your faith in Christ and to receive his free gift of eternal life today. Or if you just have more questions about what that looks like, rather than texting serve, I'd like you to text the word Jesus to 571-581-6297. And we would love to talk to you about what that looks like. Don't leave today without having the most important thing in the world taken care of in your life. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come out and they're gonna play for just a moment as I give each of you some time to pray through what your next step might be as a result of our time in the Word. And after that, we're gonna to join together and take the Lord's Supper as a church family. And if you haven't already done so, there's tables spread out throughout the room where you can pick up those elements. And I would ask though that if you uh, haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus, I wanna ask you to not pick up those elements, but instead during our time today, Observe a people who have committed their lives to serving the God who has died for us. And instead of taking those elements, I want to invite you to take Christ instead. So uh, would you bow and pray with me? We're going to ask the Lord to bless this time, and I'm going to give you a few moments just to reflect. Father, I pray for those in the room right now who have never trusted in your saving grace for the forgiveness of their sins. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. God, I pray that you would lead them to be willing to trust in you, knowing that you have paid the full penalty of all the sin in their life, our lives, all of our lives together, Lord. No one is too far gone to be rescued by your grace. I pray that you would lead them in that respect today. For the rest of us here in this room, Lord, I pray that you would lead us by your spirit in the ways that you are calling us to partner with you in this specific local church as we walk into the season of rebuilding and regathering. And may it be to the end, Lord, that we experience deeper joy in you as we see you working in and through us and as we see others encouraged and edified and as we see more people welcomed into the church family as a result of seeing the gospel at work. God, we don't want to miss out on this work. So lead us in these moments ahead. Why don't you go ahead and take a moment between you and the Lord.
I want to come back to this picture just for a brief moment before we take these elements, which I'm so thankful it's still standing after this time. Um, but when you look at it, all of what's happening here is being supported by one nail. If you think about these nails as people, you think about the church. The church isn't upheld and sustained by me or David or the chairman of our elder board or any of you for that matter. But there is one person who upholds and sustains this entire church. And that's the Lord Jesus who has filled his church, who gave his life for his church, who willingly allowed his wrists and his feet to be pierced through by nails in order that we could be welcomed into his family, filled by his spirit, and unleashed to display his glory to the world.